Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. We've got a very special show planned for you this week. It's being brought to you by Girding Edlin. For more information on Girding Edlin, go online to girdingedlin.com. Our show this week takes you inside one of the most powerful college athletic departments in America, the University of Southern California. We're going to cover the Trojans from a variety of angles this week. In segment two, we're going to hear from Girding Edlin principal and USC graduate Tom Cody. Girding Eaglin is one of the most innovative real estate development firms on the West Coast. We're going to hear from Tom about the development taking place in downtown Los Angeles around the Staples Center, which serves as the home of the L.A. Lakers and the Clippers, and the potential for what could be done around L.A. Coliseum, the home of the USC Trojans football team. In segment three, we're going to go inside the USC Athletic Department and examine everything from their facilities to their merchandise sales, which are very, very lucrative. In segment four, Sports Sense, you're going to hear my conversation with USC head coach Pete Carroll. Carroll, who took over in 2000 and has built the USC football team into an annual juggernaut, has led the Trojans to two national championships. He's produced three Heisman Trophy winners during his tenure, and he's going to share his overall philosophies and recipes for success during our conversation. Make sure to join us for that in segment four of today's show. A couple of other notes, visit my sports business blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can listen to us anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. You know, I've wanted to cover a sports program, an elite sports program, since we started this show back in 2004. I really appreciate the people at USC allowing us to take an in-depth look at their program. I think you're going to enjoy things this week on our show. And then in addition to looking at the athletic department, I thought it was important to tell the story of the development going on in downtown Los Angeles. For those of you who have never been to Los Angeles, USC is located right in the heart of downtown L.A. And until the Staples Center opened in 1999, downtown L.A. was really a ghost town. Now with the vision of real estate developers like Girding Edlin, downtown Los Angeles is becoming a thriving area where people not only work, but they live. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Tom Cody with Girding Edlin Development. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Tom Cody. He's a principal with Girding Edlin. They're one of the country's most innovative real estate development firms. First, Tom, thanks so much for being a part of uh, this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Well, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So why don't you start by telling our audience more about Girding Edlin and uh, your success developing sustainable communities around the world. You're really doing some amazing work around the globe. Well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Uh, we're doing what we can, certainly. And, and uh, I guess we've been doing it uh, for about 10 years now because it's it's kind of in our DNA. It's what we like to do and it, and uh, what what our nature has us doing. But it seems like about a year ago, um, people really turned the corner. And it seems like sustainability and, and being environmentally responsible is the biggest blip in some cases on people's radar. So we're, I think we're really well positioned as a development company because uh, a lot of development companies are kind of from the old guard and, and they don't think that way. And for us, every project really, we look at it as an opportunity to maximize kind of the economic, the environmental, and then the social benefits that are inherent in real estate development. So that's our that's our approach. And, you know, to the extent it makes us different and therefore successful, uh, I think that's great, but we certainly love doing what we do. Tom, briefly tell us what your role is with uh, Girding Edlin. Well, basically, I run, we we operate up and down the West Coast, Oregon, Washington, and uh, in California, and I run California, our California operations. So I'm responsible for uh, originating and overseeing all of our business in California, and um, it's been it's been a wild ride. I've actually was born and raised in Los Angeles and never thought I'd be doing kind of smart growth type, um, innovative, and, and, and I think in some cases inspiring real estate in, in Los Angeles. But but here we are um, banging our head against the wall. So uh, so that's what I do, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. Good segue to our next uh, topic. We're talking about USC in Southern California this week. Um, the surrounding areas, the enormous impact of the athletic department. You just happen to have a degree in urban planning and development from USC. You also have experience developing land around sports complexes. You're doing a lot around the Staples Center. When I was down there recently, I drove around downtown Los Angeles, drove around the Staples Center, and i got to tell you, I didn't recognize it. I lived down there for seven years, and downtown used to be a place that people don't go. But because of developments like yours, it's a whole new uh, place down there. Tell us what you're doing down there, if you would. Oh, I know, and I, I, I have the same. Uh, you know, it's been downtown's been a donut for many years. In other words, everybody moves out. Everybody you can move out moves out, and and it's just, you know, you could fire a cannon down the street. Right. But it, I mean, there's been a sea change, and we're building uh, high-rise uh, mixed-use projects, residential projects with retail, and we've kind of got a um, a family of projects um, on Grand Street, which is the main kind of north, it's kind of the heart and soul of downtown Los Angeles. It's just two blocks east of the Staples Center and this new LA Live kind of mega project that's that's being constructed, almost finished actually, right next to the Staples Center. So we've got these three towers and then we have we have land for two more towers right in front of the Staples Center and, and the Convention Center. So we really are looking at downtown L.A. as a long-term, you know, ground-up neighborhood-building project, um, really kind of putting some density and some, some homeowners uh, and some great shopping back into downtown and kind of getting the heartbeat back there. So uh, it's uh, 
things are going, I think, very, very well for us. Are you surprised it's taken this long to develop downtown Los Angeles? It's been years since anyone went down there and, you know, developed this kind of land down there. Well, I think, you know, it almost took somebody coming from out of town because downtown was so stigmatized over the years. It's just, you know, nobody wanted to be a part of it. It's almost like it was cursed. And uh, there have been a lot of people working very, very hard for a lot of years on getting it to, to turn the corner. And I wish I could say that it was all due to us. There's no way it's, it, it is. Um, it's, it's due to a lot of other people doing a lot of heavy lifting. But you know, they did this thing called the Adaptive Reuse Ordinance, which which allowed old kind of blighted dormant office buildings to be converted into lofts. That was really successful in bringing kind of young, creative, urban pioneers downtown. And we're really the next iteration of downtown's evolution um, and with new high-rise construction. And, and we've seen a big demand for it, almost a pent-up demand. I mean, a lot of cities that are much smaller have much more uh, urban development than Los Angeles. It's just that LA was kind of a different paradigm. You know, it was always suburban rather than urban. And, and now LA's really started growing up instead of growing out. And, and luckily we're at the center of it. My guest is Tom Cody. He's with Girding Edlin. You can learn more about them at www.girdingedlin.com. Tom, okay, I went to L.A. Coliseum. I saw the Exposition Center, uh, spent some time down at USC, and I'm wondering if someone came to you tomorrow and said, we want you to develop the land around here, how would you do that? I know that's a big project that you'd probably spend an hour explaining to me, but in a nutshell, how would you do that? Well, I don't... I wish there was one person that had that kind of power. <laughs> but I think, you know, part of the issue with Exposition Park holds a great promise. I mean, you know, I fly in and out of Los Angeles almost on a weekly basis, and, and the flights always turn over downtown and then over Exposition Park right. and circle in and land. I'm sure you've done it yourself. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you, I don't, there's not once do I fly over that property that I don't imagine what, what it could be. Um, it could be just an enormous economic engine for the community around it, uh, the residents that live uh, within a, a reasonable radius, and and for art and culture and, and for education. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things that would be a dream to work on it. I have to be honest with you, it would be a dream to work on it. Be a lot of brain damage too. And uh, but what what you what I think I'd like to do is you know you'd like to imagine something that is a product of kind of this intersection of, of the art and culture because you've got some important museums there. You've got uh, great possibilities in terms of the sports and the Coliseum itself. And then you've got this enormous academic um, enterprise uh, that is USC and all, all the people that it brings with it. And then, of course, you know, you're, um, you know, you're a mile and a half from over 400,000 jobs in downtown Los Angeles. So, I mean, hardly ever you see an opportunity that has so many, you know, that is at the intersection of so many very powerful um, uh, uh, factors, I guess. And, and that's what you look for. So, you know, it's definitely in the right place. The question is, you know, can you bring together the will and, and kind of the, can you be the alchemist, you know, that can, that can get all the heads nodding in the right direction and the heads that are necessary to make change happen? And, and that's never easy. Yeah, one of the things that surprised me about visiting USC is the facilities and the areas around 
USC. Um, there are some beautiful facilities on campus. For example, George Lucas is building a new film school. But, um, you know, some of these facilities are very old. You compare them to the University of Oregon or Florida or Nebraska, college athletic powers like that, and you would think USC's facilities might be a little bit better. You know, I'm wondering this. There's no NFL team in Los Angeles. Basically, USC is the NFL team in, in the nation's second biggest market. You were just saying, you know, you need to get the heads nodding the right way. I would think USC, if they come to the table, people are going to listen to them because of the economic impact that they have on the city, if nothing else. Yeah, somebody needs to be a catalyst. And, you know, they tried for NFL to be the catalyst for a while, and there was a group looking at, at renovating the Coliseum. And, uh, you know, thinking that if if the Coliseum were renovated and if the Coliseum could accept an NFL team, then maybe perhaps there was the opportunity to leverage that investment, both public and private, into other program elements. In other words, you know, retail space, maybe housing, uh, hotel, hospitality, things like that in and around the Coliseum that would, you know, create a, a real sense of place there. Um, obviously, NFL right now is not going to be that catalyst. Um, could USC be that catalyst? I think absolutely they could. I mean, they are, you know, they they are a um, a first class institution and uh, a huge business in and of themselves. So, you know, I think they're in a, in a unique position there. They certainly could be that catalyst. And you know, they they have needs. They they're growing. Um, they're doing nothing but but getting more spectacular in academics and research, not only in terms of sports. So I think that, you know, they have demands for space, and um, they'd like to see the neighborhood get better um, in the right way, I think. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's the challenge. I, I think, you, you know, you need to be very uh, disciplined and, and, and make sure that you grow in the right way with consensus and, and, and with a lot of... Uh, a lot of outreach. So, um, last question: When you're developing the land around a sports complex, whether it's a stadium or an arena, what are some of the biggest challenges? Well, I think you know we did a, a development up in Portland, Oregon, next to the AAA baseball park called PGE Park there, and and um, and then we've got, of course, the stuff down next to the Staples Center, and you know it's the same set of things. You worry about traffic. Um, you know, you have huge numbers of people coming in and out periodically, and, you know, those that, that traffic is often transient in nature. So, you know, people don't like to come out their front door for a latte in the morning and, you know, see a, a crowd of 50,000 people gathering to, you know, tr- get uh, Metallica tickets or something. Right, so, yeah. You know, you, sometimes you get an, a, kind of an intersection of, 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 of uh, very different populations there. So certainly, you know, the quantity of people moving in and out, the traffic issues that are created, uh, those are all part of it. But, um, you know, there's some great precedents for high-density development around anchors, you know, anchors that are kind of sports facilities. And if I look at, like, the MCI Center in in, uh, in Washington, D.C., you know, that has been a huge catalyst for great Absolutely. urban renewal, right? And and you look at what's going on uh, with Forest City has a big development project built around the New Jersey Nets. Um, you know, people have figured out, I think, almost starting with the Inner Harbor in Baltimore and Jacobs Field in Cleveland, people have really figured out that if you design sports facilities in the right way and then complement them with, with the right uh, complementary uses, that they can be, be 
really 24-7 type locations, and they don't have to be dormant all the time. And I think that's where the opportunity lies with, with in doing development um, that's really done in concert in and around these types of facilities. Well, Tom, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for partnering with us on this special edition of Sports Business Radio. My office is right in the Pearl District in downtown Portland. I see what you've done there, and it's nothing short of remarkable. Uh, For more information on Girding Edlin, go to www.girdingedlin.com. Again, Tom, thank you so much for uh, making time for us this week. Oh, it's a pleasure, and good luck. Thank you very much. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Ryan Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Just a reminder that this week's show is brought to you by Girding Edlin. Girding Edlin, creating sustainable and inspiring places to work, learn, and live. For more information, go online to girdingedlin.com. So before we start this segment, I want to give you some quick tidbits and some background on the University of Southern California. First of all, it's a private university. It's based in Los Angeles. It was founded all the way back in 1880. The university receives about 33,000 applicants each year for admission to its freshman class, which works out to be about 11 applicants for every opening. The freshman class that enrolled in 2006 boasted an average GPA of 4.07. That Counts me out, I wouldn't have been able to get in. And an average SAT score of 1372, that would also count me out. So the student attending USC, you know, this is a bright student. They're amongst the brightest in the nation. I think a lot of people may not realize that. We talk about Harvard and Stanford, but the students going to USC are very, very bright. There's about 16,500 undergraduate students and about 16,500 graduate students The entire student body population is about 33,000 students. Now, the average tuition for a USC student, it's not cheap, so save up. $36,000 a year. There's about 190,000 living alums. About 75% of those alums still live in the California area. Now, people talk about USC and all the money they have. Check these figures out. Yearly gifts to USC have averaged about $352 million per year in cash, not pledges, in cash over the past three years. USC's endowment fund has increased from $443 million back in 1993 to a staggering $3.1 billion today. So they've got lots of money saved up. 
The athletic department runs on a budget of approximately $75 million per year. It's one of the few athletic departments in the country that is self-sustaining and can operate independent of the university. So most athletic departments don't make enough money to sustain themselves. They need to borrow from the general fund. But schools like USC, Ohio State, Florida, Texas, the University of Oregon, they make enough money from football and basketball to be able to support some of the sports that are the non-revenue sports, the golf, softball, track and field, and in some cases, even baseball. Another thing that USC is known for and maybe the most well-known for is their incredible film school, which will only get better after USC alumnus and Star Wars creator George Lucas gave $175 million to endow the USC School of Cinematic Arts and fund a new building for the school. So how good is this film school? Since 1973, not a year has passed without a USC alumnus receiving a nomination for an Academy Award. Incredible. So when I was in Los Angeles, in addition to attending the USC-Arizona game at L.A. Coliseum, I got to stand on the sidelines for that one. That was pretty cool. I had a chance to sit down on campus with a few different uh, people, and the first person I sat down with was Dr. Brandon Martin. He's the Associate Athletic Director at USC. The first question I had for Dr. Martin was the facilities here. You know, this isn't just about football. USC's basketball team is really emerging as a power itself. Well, I think one of the things that that, that we wanted to do here at USC is to be a premier basketball program. And in order to do that, we had to build um, one of the -the state-of-the-art facilities. And I think we've done that. Um, Along with that, gives us an advantage um, in recruiting. And in, in basketball specifically, recruiting is everything. If you want to be a top-notch program, you got to be able to recruit. And recruits want to see uh, top-notch facilities. And it's it's allowed us to, to go into living rooms of people like O.J. Mayo and have a shot. Whereas before, we didn't have a shot at some of the top-tier um, five-star basketball recruits. We've always hovered around um, – and, and, and got the above-average athlete, but now we're, we're getting that superior athlete that, um, that we need to be able to play in the Galen Center. Another thing that's important is the Trojan family. When you think about USC, especially football, you think about past players, Ronnie Lott, Marcus Allen, Lynn Swan, Junior Seau. One of the things that Pete Carroll has done since he became the head coach at USC He's invited these guys back. They sit on the sidelines now. They interact with the players. And Dr. Martin also talked about that. It's important to bring those those guys back and to mentor, you know, a lot of our kids and and, and show them how to be successful um, in the classroom, how to be successful athletically and just overall in life. I think they they make some of the, the better mentors. With the $75 million annual budget, USC is one of the athletic departments in the country that can self-sustain, and there aren't too many of those out there. You can count them on one hand. There's uh, Florida, Texas, Ohio State. We talked about uh, self-sustaining with Dr. Martin. 
we've worked extremely hard to to make sure that, that we can profit and a, a large part of that has been our our football success and in hiring a, a person like Pete who's been great for us in in, in selling USC football and in, in selling um, the USC tradition and that's been huge and football has allowed us to have a trickle down effect in a lot of our other sports and we, we we make a conscious and committed effort to make sure that we can be self-sustainable because we are a private research institution and it's important we don't get any money from the university so it's important that we we, we try and create innovative strategies and capitalize on our our success and that's something that I can say that we couldn't do maybe six or seven years ago. Now, the Galen Center has opened up for basketball, but the L.A. Coliseum, a pretty old facility. Some of the offices and training facilities for US, USC football, pretty old. I was a little bit surprised to see how old they are, but USC has an interesting philosophy when it comes to spending. Here at USC, number one, we really, we're one of the smaller private schools, and we don't have a lot of a lot of space to build a, a lot of different facilities, but I think we've had a lot of success without some of the, the better facilities, at, at least in our conference. And one of the things that we like to do is we like to put all of our efforts or most of our efforts into our coaches um, and not so much into facilities. Building a, um, a facility doesn't guarantee success. One of the things we like to do is we like to have experts in our coaches. We did build a new basketball facility, but I can say that we are behind in terms of that, but that doesn't mean that we're not a premier championship level athletic department. The other people I had the opportunity to catch up with when I was at USC was Dan Archer. He's the director of the USC Trojan Bookstore. I was interested in finding out about merchandise sales. I see USC merchandise everywhere, not only in Southern California, but all across the country. The first question I had to ask Mr. Archer then was, where does USC rank amongst all NCAA universities in merchandise sales? USC was uh, ranked number one with $18 million in merchandise and emblematic sales. The other question I had for him was, what are the hottest selling items? You know, and it's funny, it, it, given a game-by-game um, circumstance, you know, if it's hot weather, we're selling a ton of the, the, the uh, T-shirts, and there's several of the ones that they, they enjoy. If it's colder, the fleece, the hoodies are the big-ticket items. Always have a lot of demand for the tailgate, um, the tents, the the chairs, the seat cushions. Um, you know, and and early on in the season when everyone's stocking up, foam fingers huge. Um, everybody loves to get the beat this, beat that. You know, the beat Oregon, beat Cal buttons. So they have their collection um, for the year, and uh, and so really it's a game by game um, opportunity for us. Now everyone loves a winner, and. Before 2000, when Pete Carroll took over as the head football coach, there wasn't a lot of winning going on for USC football. Now that the Trojans are winning again, they're amongst the elite football programs in the country, how much does winning affect merchandise sales? I was the director of the bookstore during the Paul Hackett era and and then came back uh, just last year. But uh, our sales in emblematics were $12 million during that period of time. When we started winning, 
And in particular, it took off when it, it became cool to be a Trojan. Um, when they put Carson Palmer on EA Sports, the, the game day, and all of a sudden kids started thinking about USC in terms of the, the color and the look and the feel, they didn't even really know much about USC. Um, we had people buying the product all across the country. Carson Palmer, Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Heisman Trophy winners that have played for USC under Pete Carroll. I wanted to know, what are the hottest selling football jerseys? Usually it's pretty pretty fickle. You know, during the Art and Bush era, it was number five and number 11. 55 uh, is always a classic number because so many great linebackers have used that number. Um, number 10 for John Booty this year. And it's funny, when we made the switch to uh, Sanchez, we had a flood of people who were looking for the number six jersey. Unfortunately, we had to do preprints well in advance. And so obviously we didn't have that available, um, but we're in the middle of getting that number. And should he continue to start, uh, you can guarantee that will be on the floor and a very hot ticket. As we discussed earlier, it's not all about football at USC. The basketball team is quickly gaining more and more notoriety. One of their stars, one of the prized recruits, freshman O.J. Mayo. I wanted to know, how is the O.J. Mayo merchandise selling? You know, it's coming in right now. It's just out at uh, Nike getting the uh, the press and then also at a, another vendor to come in. And we will have a tremendous amount of uh, interest in that. We have a uh, basketball store in the Galen uh, Basketball Arena, or the Galen Event Center, and that is one of the most requested items we've got going. Coming up next, my conversation with USC head football coach Pete Carroll. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is USC head football coach Pete Carroll. So, Coach, you came here in 2000, and when you came to USC, the program was kind of mired in mediocrity. Obviously, you've done some great things to turn it around. When you first came to USC, what was your vision for this program and to get it to where it is today? Well, we were, we were clear in, in the, that there was great potential here. And uh, so I settled on a thought that we wanted to do things better than it's ever been done before. And we thought that we'd hold on to that in everything that we're doing, whether it was recruiting or teaching or coaching or technology, you know, from, from A to Z, do it better than it's ever been done before. And so to do that, you have to uh, 
you, you know, you have to be relentless. I mean, you, you can't just do that sometimes. You have to do it all the time. So the central theme in our program, which I think represents what I feel most strongly about, is, is competition. And so we created an air of competition in everything that we were doing and, and uh, that would keep us kind of on a, in a pursuit of uh, a competitive edge, you know, just like relentlessly. And so uh, we've, been, uh, we've been on that ever since. It's been a, a, a great charge for us, and, and it's kept us on track throughout. Now, you pursued this job, and you had coached in the NFL. Why did you want to come back to college, and why did you not choose to stay with an NFL job? Well, the... <laughs> The uh, the college season comes up first in coaching, you know, because the, the games were and the seasons were over earlier. And uh, when a couple opportunities were out there, you know, I went after them to see if I could you know, generate some interest. And uh, SC was because of Daryl Gross. I had, had some relationships with, uh, with him from back in the days as at the Jets, and, uh, and and they were interested. So we started talking, and, and one thing led to another. This is a great program, you know. It's a great school and all of that. It's, it's one of the best in, in the country, uh, you know, historically. And I'm a California guy, and there aren't very many jobs in California. And uh, as we started to you know, put it together and see what it was all about, it just looked to be a great opportunity. I've always wanted to know someone who sits in your seat. You've coached in the NFL. You've coached in college. We've seen guys like Steve Spurrier and Nick Saban go to the NFL. They've had a difficult time. Charlie Weiss is having a tough time at, at Notre Dame right now. What, what is more difficult, coaching in the NFL or coaching in college, in your opinion? I think coaching in the NFL is much more uh, complicated. I, I, th- I think it's the uh, the scrutiny um, that follows you and, and the um, the speed of the uh, the evaluation process is just a high speed, and, and uh, you have no time. And I think the tolerance um, by those that follow you that create the momentum for the pressure and the stress and and the uh, uh, you know just the evaluations. Uh, is such that you just have to hit it right or you're done. And uh, it's very, very difficult. I mean, just look how many guys have, have been able to sustain. There's very few guys that can maintain the jobs. You know, they, they come and go all the time. And so uh, I think that that causes a lot of problems for you. Uh, if you don't have a quarterback, you're dead. You know, and, and it's, it's some, some really simple issues. And there's not much you can do about it sometimes. Uh, the, the job I found was much more difficult because you had to share the leadership position and, and the philosophical approach to things uh, much more so, which does not at all enhance or behoove it, the, the job that you're trying to do as a leader of a program or the, the so, so-called leader of the program. When You have to do it the best way that you can, and if, when you're representing other people and other thoughts, it's very, very challenging. It's very frustrating. So this is different here, and, and it's, much, it's a much cleaner line of uh, uh, leadership and and, uh, and and authority and all of that, and it's made uh, my job way easier and, and much uh, much more fun, and, and I've enjoyed it a great deal more. My guest is USC head football coach Pete Carroll. Coach Carroll, uh, pretend I'm an elite athlete. You're coming into my living room. You're going to be talking to me and my parents. What are the two or three things that you're going to tell me to sell me on USC's football program? Well, the the process of recruiting isn't a one-time sit-down. It, it, it takes a long time to get through the information. But there are a, a few elements that, that, that we try to, you know, that we consistently return to. This is an extraordinary university. It's a private institution right here in just the, the hotbed of all that's going on in the world of business for the entire Pacific Rim, one of the tremendous uh, media centers of, of the world. Um, and, and it's got so much visibility in, in what you do and what you can create out of here that it's, it's an extraordinary place to go to school. Um, the, the fact that it's a private school is smaller, and, and you know, 16,000 you know, regular students makes this a small campus setting, yet you're still playing on a, play on a, on a large you know, uh, BCS level of football. 
Um, the other part of it is that our football has been very successful, and it's been successful uh, in, in it gives you the, the players an opportunity to really exercise everything they would ever want to do in the sport. We've reached the, the heights of, of national championships. We've, we've seen our players be recognized nationally with the Heismans and all of the, the national uh, awards that they can, they can, you know, can generate. Uh, we've had um, an opportunity to do all that, but more importantly than just being able to do it, we've done it over a long period of time, and we've been very successful for, for a long haul, which is really you know, part of the fabric of this program. And, and I think the, the final thing is that um, when you're in our program, you're going to be in a program that is designed to try and create this to be an extraordinary experience for you. I don't want this to just be football, you know, and that's it, and I don't want it to just be academics, and that's it. I want it to be all of that, and then much more with the experience of how we go about the things that we do. If we're not having fun, I'm messing it up. I'm making mistakes. I'm, I'm, I'm not on track. This should be a fun, uh, filled of, of excitement and changes and, and, and new stuff and challenges to, to, uh, to our kids in, in every way, not just on the football field, not just academically, but how they handle themselves and how they deal with the world around them. Uh, so, uh, and then the final thing that, that you know I like to get across is it's not too good to be true. This is really happening. It really is the real deal, and we're doing it for the right reasons, and with caring for people and loving them as they go through our program, and loving them as they leave, and taking care of them throughout. Uh, with I think in a manner that that I know separates us in some degree, and I hope makes it a very very unique experience. You've built a tremendous program here. Uh, what are the two to three uh, core philosophies that you have for leadership? You're a tremendous leader. Well, I, I think it, you have to know where you're going and who you are to do this and, and to do it really well. Um, you know, I need to be really consistent about what I represent as the leader of, the, of this program. And in that, I try to model our kid, to our kids, uh, you know, a really committed, strong, um, all-encompassing belief about who we are and how we do this. Uh, that, that's what's most important. I think when people sense that somebody has a really good feel for who they are and what they're doing, it's easier to listen to them, it's easier to follow them, and then as you build on the successes and you give them the examples of where they can go that are real, real life things, and then they don't question you know, the authority, they don't question the direction, and then they follow and they, they are able to allow themselves to be led. Well, that, that's, that's, I think it comes from a, just a general sense, and I have to do a really good job of staying on task all the time. You know, I just can't ever shut down. I can't ever have a bad day. I can't ever waver from the main line of how we operate and expect them to, to you know, totally commit and be, you know, be thoroughly uh, behind everything that we're doing. So uh, that's with energy. That's with commitment. That's with consistency. That's with uh, making sense to them, doing sensible things. Don't don't throw them curveballs where they don't know what's going on or what's happening, and give them a sense that we're really on course where they don't have to even ever be concerned about that stuff. They just need to excel. You mentioned earlier one of the, the main points to recruit is Los Angeles and all the opportunities that are here. There's no NFL team here, and I would imagine because there's no NFL team, maybe you're a little bit more under the microscope than you would be if there was an NFL team. You've been so successful. Um, I think this is an extraordinary community. Uh, yeah, we have we we don't have the professional football team, but we have great professional sports here with the Dodgers and the Lakers and the Angels and all that's going on with the Ducks and everybody. You know, we we have great fan base. Uh, their expectations are maybe a little bit different than a, a small town college setting in different states of the around the country. But uh, we we have an extraordinary following. We're, we're ninety two thousand every game. We're selling out the Coliseum for the first time ever last year. You know, for the entire year. Uh, we have the L.A. Times with front page L.A. Times whenever anything's going on one way or the other. And all, all of that 
does bring a, a focus that's that's unique and that's special and that we love that we have this opportunity. You know, if we were getting our butt kicked all the time, we weren't doing any good, it'd be horrible. But the other side of it, it's awesome that we have this. And, and our entire program benefits from that. You know, we're all over the nation with, with what we're doing. It's not just a local deal. We're, we're a nationwide program that everybody hears about and knows about. Last question. Uh, obviously, you've built something very special here. I know you've had uh, opportunities to go back to the NFL. Is this your dream job, or is there something else out there on the horizon that you'd like to do at some point in your career? Well, I don't. I've thought about it a lot and, and had opportunities to you know, entertain the, the ideas of going. The makeup of this job is so unique for me that that I, I don't see anything ever matching it. So, in my mind, I've settled my mind clearly that I'm staying here and I don't want to go anywhere else. That the the makeup is so clean in that it's you know I'm in charge of all phases of it. I run the whole thing. I don't have to you know defer to anybody to 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 make a choice on what's going on here. As long as we stay out of trouble, we're, we have no problems. And so, uh, that's that's a very clean slate for me. And there's 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 too much ownership. There's too much. Uh, uh, kind of leadership already in existence in other other teams in the NFL that you have to deal with, and and I don't, I, I don't, I know there's no other situation that matches this. So I'm I'm loving it. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm not going anywhere. I've said the same thing for seven years, and I'll get asked the same questions again at the end of this year, and I won't have any problem answering because I know I know clearly what I'm doing. Coach, congratulations on your success, and thanks for taking some time today. All right, you got it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. All too often, great ideas from the boardroom go unrealized. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every week on Sports Business Radio, I talk to owners and high-level executives who are responsible for overseeing multi-million dollar businesses. And guess what? Sometimes they can't achieve everything they'd like to on their own. That's why I want to tell you about a company that's helping senior-level executives realize their potential and meet their business objectives. Sockeye Inc. is a strategic consulting firm that advises executives on three primary issues business development, corporate social responsibility, and project management. Whether it's providing a critical outside perspective or if it's just making sure your project is delivered on time and within its budget, Sockeye Inc. is the company to turn to. As a high-level executive responsible for making key decisions every day, you need trustworthy counsel that will help make your great ideas a reality. To learn more about Sockeye Inc. strategic consulting services, visit SockeyeNorthwest.com or call Sockeye Inc. founder Joe Vaughn at 503-780-3032. This is Brennan Roy, NBA Rookie of the Year, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. All right, so we wanted to end this week's show with a few sports business headlines of the week. First, Joe Torre declines the Yankees' offer of a one-year $5 million contract with incentives for advancing in the postseason. Really, this was an insulting offer after Torrey made $7.5 million this season. So his tenure with the Yankees is done. Read my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com for more of my thoughts on this and how I think this is going to affect the Yankees. I think this is going to definitely be the story of the offseason. The Yankees roster, what does A-Rod do? Does he opt out? He has 10 days after the World Series to make up his mind. That will be interesting to watch. Our next headline, Gatorade and Tiger Woods formally announced their new marketing partnership, which Gatorade is calling the brand's first ever licensing deal. The Gatorade Tiger sub-brand will launch in March. It's going to feature three flavors. Check these out. Cherry Blend, Citrus Blend, and Grape. I think I'm going to try Cherry Blend. 
Golf Week reported in September the deal could be worth as much as $100 million over five years. So if you are doing the math between Nike and Gatorade, Tiger's going to make about, oh, $200 million over the next five years. Our next headline, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell said this week in Arizona that the league is considering the possibility of holding a Super Bowl in a non-U.S. city with Wembley Stadium in London being the prime candidate to host the game. Don't forget the Dolphins and the Giants are playing in London on October 28th. We'll keep our eyes on that. A lot of people in the United States not real happy about that, think that the Super Bowl should remain in the United States. We'll keep our eyes on this story. William Morris Agency VP of Golf Greg Nard, who was hired less than a year ago from Nike to rep golfer Michelle Wee, has resigned. Nard is the second agent to leave Wee since she turned pro in October of 2005. Ross Berlin, a former PGA Tour exec hired by William Morris as Wee's agent, resigned a year ago. As long as Michelle Wee lets her father, BJ, run her life, she's going to continue to lose agents. She's going to lose golf tournaments. And soon enough, she's going to lose sponsors like Nike and Sony. Keep our eyes on that story for sure. Lots of thank yous on this week's show. Our guest, USC head football coach Pete Carroll, Tom Cody from Girding Edlin, Dr. Brandon Martin from USC, Daniel Lincoln Archer, and a special thank you to USC's SID's Paul Goldberg and Tim Tassalone. I want to thank our show staff for putting together the special show this week. Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Joe Vaughn, and Doug Zanger. Special thanks to our sponsor for this week's show, Girding Edlin. Girding Edlin Development. For more information, go online to girdingedlin.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. It's been a fun show, a good look inside one of the elite athletic departments in the nation. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next weekend. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.